Hello and welcome to the Hales Owen Apostolic Church. Apostolic meaning what God says, not what man thinks. Please enjoy this teaching and if you want more, visit the website at halesowenapostolicchurch.org. Amen. Thank you. Very good indeed. Well, good morning, Hal's Owing Apostolic Church. And greetings from the Liverpool Apostolic Church. Uh, a quick greeting from Liverpool would be, he loves you, yeah. He loves you, yeah, yeah, yeah. And with a love like that, you know, you should be glad. If anybody knows who I'm talking about. <laughs> That's our normal greeting from Liverpool. Mark, God bless you this morning. Good to see you. Dave has been raptured, um, which is a good thing, I suppose, but I'm still here, so I'm a bit nervous. Uh, I, I, I do have something to preach this morning, uh, most definitely when uh, my brother asked me to come here. This absolutely just hit me straight away. And with Andrea, oh, there you are. We're going to leave here, lady. You're going to pray differently, I promise you. And when you pray, you're going to speak words that you can actually watch happen in front of you. So no more. It's going to be up. All right. Um, and again, it's, it's an honor. It's an absolute privilege to be standing at this pulpit this morning. I don't take going to anybody's pulpit lightly. Um, and over the years, which has been an absolute wonderful blessing, uh, we have preached, and I've actually preached with my brother Mark at different buildings where, where Spurgeon has been there, where John Wesley has been there. So again, this morning, to take a, uh, a pulpit lightly is an absolute detriment to the gospel. So again, thank you this morning to my older brother. <laughs> I am the youngest in the family, by far. <laughs> <laughs> But it is, it's wonderful to see him smiling. I know he's gone through some surgery last week, but he's been in a lot of people's prayer, hasn't he? Yes. It really has. So I'm praying today that when you leave here, that you're going to have something in you. Again, and I, I, I love being a pastor, but it really irks the fire out of me when somebody comes to our pulpit, and I've been preaching something for two years, and everyone's kind of going, yeah, yeah. And then somebody comes and preaches, and everyone goes, yeah, that's it. You're like, I've been trying to tell you that for two years. But it, it happened. It's a wonderful experience. It really bugs the fire out of me. But anyway, so this morning, I've, I've been, I'm going to ask you a question. Who did God speak to before we existed? You can answer me a question. You can. Right, good. But before the angels existed, God is omnipresent. Oh. No, before, they would have been fallen angels. So, hang on a second. Before anything existed, God did. That's why everything exists. So, who did he speak to and how would he have spoken? Go on. It's interesting, isn't it? I mean, it was a prayer I had a while ago and I was like, God, who did you talk to before everything else existed? Because you created everything. So, I, I began to kind of pursue a, a little path. Um, and it really opened up to this motorway, and it was a huge one. And it was mind-blowing to see something that was a fantastic nugget in the middle of Scripture that made my prayer life change. And I've been at this now for ooh, 1990, a few years ago now, isn't it? Good gorilla me. Anyway, <laughs> 1990, I received the Holy Ghost. Uh, in a church in Annapolis, Maryland. Um, it took all these years to get to a point to realize why the way I prayed or others have prayed, why some have some different type of approach to prayer and why some people seem to see more than others. You had three men that you spoke about this morning. Peter was one of them. But there was Peter, James, and John. God is not a, 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 you know, a, a, a favorite person. He doesn't pick a favorite. But... He can see the ones that really do make the effort, see the ones that really want to have more or know more. He can see dedication. He can see commitment. He can see sacrifice. And when you see the three, Peter, James, and John, they did experience more than the other apostles. 
Would you agree? They are the ones who went to the Mount of Transfiguration and watched Jesus Christ completely be transformed into who he truly was. They were the ones that Peter, uh, Peter James, and John were asked, you've just said it, to pray. And he said, couldn't you even pray for one hour with me? But there was something about that, what they had, that gave them some, somehow a little bit more of an access to him. So I'm going to speak to them this morning, which I've only done a couple of times. So the pastor's martyrs disappeared. He's been raptured as well. I'm on my own in this. <laughs> Come back. So if he, if, if he wants to uh, pull a big shepherd stick and put it around my neck and pull me away, that's fine. So I'm going to read from Psalms 33, 6 through 12. I don't know if you want to stand. You want to stay seated? Looks like you're staying seated. <laughs> by the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all their hosts by the breath of his mouth. How were the heavens made? By the word of God. He gathers the waters of the sea in a bottle. He puts the deep in storage places. Let all the earth fear the Lord, revere and worship him. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. The Lord brings a council of the nations to naught. He makes the thoughts and the plans of the people of no effect. Listen to what he can do if we allow him. The counsel of the Lord stands forever, the thoughts of his heart through all generations. Blessed, happy, fortunate, to be envied is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people that he has chosen as his heritage. If it was by the word of the Lord that the heavens were made, he had to have come up with a language that he himself has to speak. Because if it was pronounced, that means he's spoken into existence. So he had a language that he spoke. And how do we know he had a language? Right. This is really interesting. I'm going to go a little bit into a big deep pool for a second, and I'm going to bring you back out of it. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So in the beginning is time. God created the heavens, which is space, and the earth, which is matter. So outside of time, space, and matter, God created. Psalm says that he measures the universe between his thumb and his small finger. So God is on the outside of the universe, where outside of time, space, and matter, he spoke all of the universe, the earth, into existence. If you read what it says, in the beginning God created the heavens and he separated the earth. The earth was so specific and with such a purpose. But that was the matter. But outside of all it, he spoke it. What did he speak to be able to create the heavens and the earth and the universe? What did he speak? And how would he have spoke? It says by the word of God. So he would have had a physical way of speaking. But I have started studying Hebrew. I haven't lost the plot. It is an absolute fantastic language, but my word, it's hard. So in, I'm, I'm looking at the, in the beginning, God, God created the heavens and the earth. There is something in the middle of the sentence called the Aleph and the Taf. The Aleph and the Taf is the beginning word, which is the Aleph. And the N word of the Hebrew alphabet is the taf, like the A to Z. Or my wife would say, the A to the Z. It is in the middle of the actual first words, and I'm going to show you. It is in the middle of the first words. You, you read Hebrew right to left. But in the middle is the Aleph and the taf. It is, and, it, and, and, and I'll give you a little insight to it. In Hebrew, there's this unique preposition. It is the Aleph and the Taf, but we don't have the equivalent in English, even though we have the A to Z. We don't have the same way of translating the Aleph and the Taf like it does in Hebrew. Hebrew scholars know that in the middle of that first sentence is Aleph and Taf. But we didn't translate it in the way we translate it because it doesn't exist in our language. Okay? So it's very unique to, uh, if you start to study some Hebrew, 
So in the beginning, God created the Aleph and the Taf. He created a language. Make sense? It's got to be. had to speak. Break down the word, and it refers to the expanse of the alphabet, the Aleph and the Taf. And again, I'm telling you, we have A to Z, but it doesn't translate like it does in Hebrew. So that means then God's first creation, according to the first sentence, was the 22 Hebrew letters from the Aleph to the Taf. <laughs> I haven't lost a plot. Really. So in fact, the 22 Hebrew letters are God's tools in the following creation of the world. How did he com uh, uh, communicate with Adam and Eve? There was a voice in the garden. They understood his voice, but they obviously spoke in a language that he and they understood. I've always kind of looked into this now and think it might have been Hebrew. Because that's the Aleph and the Taf. So the DNA, the DNA of creation, you know what the DNA is? It's quite literally the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet. What's this? Being the chromosomes of this DNA... It is interesting to point out that humans have 22 pairs of chromosomes. Interesting, isn't it, Matt? Come, in. come, come on, come with me, Matt. Called autosomes. The 23rd pair differs between males and females. There are two genders according to our autosomes or our pairs of chromosomes. So at the 23rd, which is not uh, part of that, if you want to say, the, the makeup, which it is part of the makeup. I'll explain that in a minute. So the 23rd shows a male or female exactly at conception. So that's where our gender starts, is at conception. And then the DNA of our body creates everything else, the color of the eyes, the color of your hair, how tall you're going to be, etc., etc. So you have the difference of the 23rd chromosomes. So when he spoke everything into existence, he used something which we, and I, I, I don't know if you know them, but it is a periodic table. We are made up of the periodic table. The universe is created through the actual elements that's in the periodic table. Our human form is created exactly as the human uh, body would be put together by the elements of the periodic table. 22 of them, believe it or not. Isn't that amazing? So when you read that the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet perfectly correspond to the 22 amino acids, the building blocks of life within our DNA, the Torah teaches us that speech was the tool of creation. Just read it to you, Psalms 33, 6. Since the 22 amino acids in our DNA correspond to the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet, we can say with surety that the Hebrew language is the DNA of creation. Ooh, right. That's a good foundation to preach from, I promise you. So from that point, he had to communicate with his creation. His words that he spoke was in the garden. He had a language that he created to speak to not only the universe to create it, but also to his creation on a personal level. There was another voice in the garden. If you ever study, look at the Hebrew word or get your Strong's Concordance, go in, in Genesis and look at the word serpent. The actual Hebrew uh, translation do not have a translation that says serpent. It doesn't exist. What the word is ganor in the actual, um, in, in the Hebrew, it says that the serpent actually translated means an enchanted whisper. There was another voice in the garden. That voice in the garden actually took them from believing what God was doing and what was go God was going to do to then start to believe in what he said he was or what he could do. If you go to Isaiah, Isaiah 14, it says that he was telling the whole of heaven that I'm going to exalt my throne above his. 
I'll be above the stars of heaven. I'll be greater than him. Somewhere in that conversation with Eve, she began to leave this enchanted whisper, this lie, this deceit. Still goes on today. Still deceiving humanity. What is the biggest problem to every human being in the world? Oh, the other people. It's people. People cause us more problems than anybody else. We just prayed, Andrea, people have caused problems. They are the biggest problems in the world. And usually the problems come from what? What they say to us. It's mad, isn't it? You made the old saying, sticks and stones will break my bones, but names will never hurt me. That is the biggest lie. It is such a lie. Names break us. You just said some idiot shouted out of a car window. God help them. Ridiculous. But those, those words that we say, when, you know, anybody had a black eye? When you, or you got a bruise? It heals. So we know that we've been hurt, but eventually it disappears. But something that has happened within us, a name or something that has happened in our life can break us. I mean, completely break us. It can be one word that can send you spiraling downhill. It's people are our biggest problem. But then God, in his mercy and his love, puts himself upon the earth to save people. Then he uses people to save people. <sighs> no wonder we have to be buried in the baptismal waters and have a new character. Behold, all things have passed away and everything has become new because we can't cope with what people have said to us and done to us over the years. So then we have to literally, no wonder if you've got to be born again. You've got to start again with a new mentality, a new mindset, a new character. Everything becomes new. Once you start to bring up the junk from the past, that is no longer new. You're trying to operate in a world that you've left behind. And that world you've left behind, you have now indeed yourself back to the, the way, the character that you used to have. So once you realize what God would do and could do if you obeyed the word of God, it would change my life forever. Not just temporal, but not just this life. This is eternal. This is a temporal life that we live. So we have something given to us. We have a tongue in our mouth. James said it's the most unruly member. Who can tame it? Well, that's why we have to yield to God and let him tame it. Let his, his voice be our voice. Jesus said, when you speak on my behalf. Now watch this. When you speak on my behalf, have no fear in what you're saying. You just spoke about fear this morning. Have no fear. Speak with such a confidence and a boldness that there's a voice inside of you that's going to create something in them. You're going to stir somebody's heart if you speak on God's behalf. Jesus said it. Speak on my behalf, watch what happens. If you don't speak on his behalf, you'll never experience what will happen. Romans 5.4 said it. Patience, experience, hope. You've got a brilliant setting here that we can come out of this building today and, and I'm, before I finish, you're going to have a little change of thought the way you pray and the way you speak. And I'm going to show you in a couple of seconds. I, I want to just diverse for a minute. We've been in now in Liverpool for 20 years. Has it been easy? <laughs> Let me sit down for a minute. It's been an absolute nightmare sometimes. I mean, them scousers are nutters. I thought brummies were bad, but my word, they are off the charts up there. I mean, they really are. They're great people. I love them dearly. There might even be some online. I don't know. But when we got there, we went into an old, stinky building. Mushrooms on the walls. Rotten wooden floors. It stunk of damp. And me and my wife and my three children and eight ladies... Family members, which was the worst. Because when Rita had an argument with Maria, the ones who were with Rita would sit that side of the building, and the ones with Maria was on that side of the building. And there's me going, really? And you could tell them all, they're all sitting in. And I'm going, 
no, get over. It was awful. Now, I love them dearly. I do. I love them dearly, and they know I do. But it was this beginning that me and my wife stood there one day and, oh, God, what have we done? These people don't want to know. This city of Liverpool don't want to hear the gospel. I'm going back to America. Said that a few times, didn't we, in the first two years? But I, I, I realized there was a calling. I sold my, my home. I, I just built a waterfront home. And, and I was actually putting a yacht there on the, on the July. But this was December, and I was, all get, I was getting the Corps of Engineers ready to come and, and, and dredge out the area and put my little 40-foot yacht there, and we were going to kind of retire and preach around the world and still have business, and we was going to have a good little life like that until I told God what I was going to do. And then in between the Christmas and the New Year, I had a visitation, and it was, I want you to sell your home, your business, you're going home to preach the gospel. Just like that. I tried to get rid of it, shake it off me, not a chance in the world. I went and stood in the shower thinking, I can wash myself clean. And, and I'm praying, and all of a sudden, I'm on my knees in the corner having a vision in my shower. And I was in a field in Great Britain. Now, I'm on a, you know, in the Chesapeake Bay. I'm, I'm 3,000 miles away. And I'm in the corner of my shower. And as I am looking up, it was freezing cold. Now, I've got a hot shower on me. I could smell the, the, the air of the area where I was. It was something like Dartmoor. I, I, I can't explain where I was. But it was so foggy and dark and cold. And then people started to walk towards me through the fog. Now, I'm not nuts. Don't worry. I'm, you know, I, I, I do have these things happen once in a while. But I could hear names being shouted. And I could hear these, these people praying to God, please, don't forget the... Hema's family, don't forget the Smith family, don't forget the... And as there was... I mean, I could hear them calling to God, please don't forget my family. And I never forget, I'm, 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 in, I'm, in the, I'm on my knees in the core of my shower, naked in front of the Lord. And I'm like, God, this is crazy. That's why I want you to go home. There are prayers that people have prayed that still not yet been answered. Go home and preach the gospel. Going through the first two years of being in Liverpool was not pleasant. It was not pleasant at all. I had my life threatened. I nearly had a couple of fights. I mean, fisticuffs like you wouldn't believe. I mean, these people were crazy. Fifteen kids wanted to beat me up the first service that we ever had. Fifteen of them come and just surrounded me to fight me and tell me that we have our drugs and our, our rock and roll and you name it behind the building and you're not stopping us. And I'm like, oh, great. Just my first ever service. I mean, you talk about, we don't want you here, people of God. So he sends 15 little demonic imps <laughs> to beat me up. So I decided to say, okay, well, I'm a kid from the Kansas States in Birmingham. Took my jacket off, rolled my sleeves up, said, let's go, boys. Let's do this. I was so angry. Not angry, like, it was a righteous anger, it was. And these kids eventually, some of them today, play football for our team. It's mad. But I just stood up and I stood for the gospel. And I even told them, I remember every single one of your faces and I will find you. I said it before Liam Neeson did. I have a certain set of special skills. And I will find you and pray for you. <laughs> so that was our beginning. And I've had to stick it out through thick and thin, hell high water, to see now the results 20 years later. 20 years later, we've had over 400 people now baptized in Liverpool in the 20 years. Miracles, too many to mention. It's been absolute phenomenal. It's been an honor, a privilege of God to stand and be, be able to lay hands upon people with sicknesses that have completely now been eradicated out their life. That is special. But if I hadn't have stuck it out, I wouldn't have seen this. 20 people in the last four or five weeks have been baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost in Liverpool. Last week, we baptized uh, four. We, we, actually, it was funny. It was four a week. Uh, Saturday, I'm sorry, Sunday morning, and then Thursday, and then Sunday, and then Thursday. So we kept having four people getting baptized and filled. And that's come from one woman. 20-some people have come from one woman. And these people are, what would you call them in England? We call them jocks, wouldn't you? 
that old bodybuilders. I got some big dudes getting baptized. I mean, the one guy is number three in Great Britain, bodybuilder. He's six foot four. And I was praying for him. Jesus. And I'm looking at this dude. He's about that wide. He's number three in Great Britain. And I was praying with him and he got his hands down. And he put my hands up. And I'm like, fella, if I had a gun and I aimed it at you, what would you do? He said, I put my hands up. I said, go on then. And he puts his hands up and I said, now what you're doing is surrendering to God. Give that heart, give everything you've ever said, ever done in your life to God. And my God, it's a huge man just began to flow and speak in tongues. And it was to the point where he began to shake. And I'm like, yeah, you're big, ain't you? You're going to hit the deck in a few seconds. But if you don't stick it, you're never going to see it. So how he appears is because a lady's husband was a plumber at one of our... uh, folks in the church's house begins to tell him about a church that he goes to where the plumber's like, can we chat? Has a chat with Tony. Tony's on the back deck of his house talking to a man he's never met and talking about the church he goes to. And he said, look, my wife has got some major problems. And he said, well, bring her to church and all we go to your house right now and pray. What had happened when she gave birth to a child, a nerve has lodged itself in her spine. She can walk for about, from here to the back wall, then she has to stop. Well, this lady comes to church, they carried her in. Crazy stuff this is, but carried her in, put her on the seat, heard the message, but she wanted the baptism that day. Well, she got into the water, the, her husband helped her, got her into the water, and as we prayed for her, as she was lying on her back, she floated to the top of the water. It was really interesting. And she began to speak in tongues. And I'm looking at a husband going, that's the Holy Ghost. That's what you, he's a, he's a, a special air service, he was a Marine, he was in the special forces. And he's standing there with his arms folded looking at me and said, this is the baptism of the Holy Ghost. The water baptism and the spiritual baptism. And I said, you, you're a challenge. And he's on the wall, he's, he's on the step looking at me. And I'm going, but your precious wife is now filled with what you said you don't have to have. And I'd never met him before, but I just knew the, the way the man's demeanor and character was. So she gets out the water, looks at me and goes, it's true, isn't it? I said, of course it's true. Everybody that's ever been in these waters of baptism will eventually either receive the Holy Ghost before the water baptism or after. It's a two-pronged baptism, water and spirit. So she then walks out of there, walks out of the building. All right, and gets in the car. I go outside and say, you've just walked out the building. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> right? It's mad, isn't it? She has to sit every, every 10 steps. Now she walks out and gets in the car. And I'm looking at her going, you go and tell everybody what's happened to you. She, da- she, she has and she's doing it. She tells a guy, it, she, was, she has some this uh, therapy in a gym, in a hot tub pool, whatever you call them. A guy jumps in next to her and and just sitting there and he's on about his spiritual journey that he was on. And she went, I'll tell you about a spiritual journey. I've just received the Holy Ghost in a church in Liverpool called the Apostolic Church of Liverpool. And he said, well, what do you mean? What's that? She said, well, I spoke in this language that God gave me and I called speaking in tongues. And he went, can I have that? This is in a hot tub, in a gym. I'm not recommending that all the time. He comes to the church after two weeks of texting us. I said, just come and see what you think. He was into New Age. He's been to every angle you can think of, of, of Eastern mysticism. I mean, he didn't look at Buddhism and Taoism, and he, he's looked at them all and tried to practice them all too. So he comes to the church service on a Thursday night, and I re- obviously recognize through the to the people I've never seen him before, so I presume that this was Joe. And all I could see was a shiny face. And I kept looking at him going, that's kind of weird. When it came to me after, he sobbed from the first words to the end of the service. And he said, I could not stop sobbing. And he went, will you baptize me? I said, no, I want to talk to you first. I am going to baptize you, but I need to explain this isn't a temporal fix. 
This is eternal. This is you sticking it out. This is you committing. This is going to be you dedicating. This is going to be you witnessing. This is eventually going to be you preaching the gospel and teaching to everybody that you know. Sunday he comes. He said, I'm ready. And my God, I've got a video of him coming out that baptism. As he stood up, he's sobbing. I mean, uncontrollable sobbing. Turns around, throws his hands in the air. I mean, just bursts out talking in tongues. And, and, and all the people in the church, you know, obviously were looking for that. And they were clapping and worshipping. And so he goes, that, this is it. I mean, he's in the water still. Everybody's going to hear about this. This guy has brought 20 people in six weeks. And all of them have been baptized and filled. Because one man spoke to a woman who was sitting in a hot tub talking to a man who brings 20 people. It's there. You don't know who you are talking to when you open your mouth. You, you might think, if this person doesn't want to listen to me, absolutely rubbish. That is a lie from the pit. They need to listen to us. They are looking for what we have but don't know how to get what we have, so that's why we tell them what we have so they can get it. So what's this? What happened at the day of Pentecost? Acts 2. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they're all gathered in one place in one accord, all unified. And there suddenly came from heaven a sound of a mighty rushing wind. And it filled all of the house where they were sitting. And then Cloven, cloven tongues, they, it's, it's a, like a, a metaphor, allegory of it. Cloven tongues of fire rested upon them and then entered into them and they all began to speak in tongues as the Spirit of God spoke through them or give the utterance. So what did God create? Another language or the language. So when you and I are praying in tongues, oh my God, we are praying with the creative power that God said, let there be light. That is what we have in us. But if you don't recognize what you have, you'll never see exactly what God can do through you as an individual. When you pray and you start to speak in tongues, you are speaking that language that he said, Moses, hold that rod over that sea. And I am going to separate those waters and you are going to walk through that water untouched on dry land. That is the voice, the spirit that we have been given when we are receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. It is a language that God has given to the church. So if you don't realize that everybody's ever told me, oh, you don't need the Holy Ghost to get into the kingdom of God. I'm just telling you, don't be so ignorant. And don't be so foolish, you're lost, you're lost without it. Listen to what you're telling me. You don't want what God has given to his church? That's why we have so many religions. There's, there's 32,000 different factions of Christianity in the world. All got their own little method or their own little opinion. The word of God is very simple. Peter said there's no private interpretation for the word of God. What it says is what it says. Stop adding to it, stop taking away from it. That's a dangerous thing to do. So when you pray, begin to understand when he said, speak to a mountain. And what did he say it would do? Isn't that amazing? Think about what he said. Well, you've already got the spirit inside of you. It's the human element now that has to kick into gear. Faith, reliance upon God. The word's pisteos, that's what it means. To rely upon God. So when you begin to realize that what you are speaking is the creative power, a language that God himself has created to communicate with us, like he did in the garden, like he did through the prophets of old, and then he said in Ezekiel 33, and he said it in Jeremiah, I believe, 11 and 21, uh, Isaiah 28, he said, I'm going to put my spirit inside of my people. Jesus said, I am going to build my church. Didn't say I'm going to build a church. He didn't say I'm going to build a denomination. He said, I'm going to build a church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. How can we then prevail against the gates? Because we have the power of the Spirit of God in us that when I speak his words, those gates are going to come open. Because he said they cannot prevail against the church. 
We are the church. If you're born again of water and spirit, you've entered into the kingdom of God. It's his name that remits the sin. There's no titles. If you want to go to Matthew 28, 19 and look at titles, the titles, what is the titles for? In, in, um, in Matthew 13, 32, 33, he said that God actually only, Jesus only ever spoke in parables. If you then shoot back to Psalm 78, 2, it says in Psalm 78, 2, that God will only ever speak to us in parables. Who is Jesus Christ? God manifest in the flesh. And what's awesome about this too, don't ever think your prayers are just worthless or just meaningless. Moses asked God, Moses asked God two things. And those two things were quite simple. I want to see you and I want to be in the promised land. Two things that he said. Did he get there and did he see him? Yes or no? Somebody saying no and somebody saying yes. Is that why you sit on the other side of the wall? <laughs> There's a division in the church. <laughs> Who? Well, God told Moses, if you see me, you're dead. It'll kill you. You can't see me. God is a spirit. God is a spirit. You can't see a spirit. But his spirit is what holds up all of this together. So in his love mercy and grace for us in the midst of this universe there's a little galaxy called what the milky way and inside of the milky way there are billions of planets but there's a planet in the middle of there called earth if you go back to the beginning he says in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth the purpose is that god was going to put his creation on that earth moses came to redeem israel out of egypt i want to see you Face to face. When did he see God face to face? I've already mentioned it earlier. The mountain transfiguration, Peter, James and John, one side was Elijah, and the other side of Jesus when he was transformed to who he is truly, was Moses. And where it was the Mount of transfiguration in Israel, in the promised land. God answered his prayer. He stood face to face looking at God. Ooh, that's good. And he was in Israel, which was the promised land. Seven, oh, oh, I'm going to get my, my, my. 1,400 and some years later, he answered the man's prayer. He stood in front of him, looking at him face to face. Don't ever think your prayer is just meaningless and worthless. It says it, when you pray, it is bottled, in, it's kept in heaven. Every time I pray, I look at God going, yep, put him in that one. Every time I have purpose in prayer, I, I don't have, I, I, I am passionate with prayer. I am passionate with witnessing. I am, I mean, unmovable, if you want to say that, unshakable. Because when I read someone like this, and when I'm talking about him, and he's standing right behind me. And he's also speaking through me because he's in me. I like this about being a preacher. A lot of people in the church might not like it. But in the week, I'm praying to God as an individual. So when, when I, as a pastor of a church, I am praying, it is literally is God, I'm praying for the church and about the situations and about the people in the church and about revival and about healing for so-and-so's life and et cetera, et cetera. But on a Sunday, it's like God has obviously said, if you speak on my behalf, I'm going to be the one speaking through you. So now, as I stand here, it's God behind me and through me, out of me. And that's all of us. That's just not me. Be nice, though. It's all of us. So I want you to start to think about your prayer, your prayer life. When you pray, it says, First and foremost, forgive. Get rid of anything that will be a hindrance between you and God. doesn't matter what somebody said. It doesn't matter what somebody's done. Bury it and get rid of it. Because there's a, there's a job that God has called you to do. A job, a purpose, a mission. You're not here by chance. I heard Dave say it this morning. Mark, thank you for talking to me about Jesus Christ. I don't know who in this room would not be here unless somebody hadn't spoke to you about what had happened to him first and then what you could also receive. 
You have listened to a voice inside of a human being about a gospel message that has brought you to salvation. Your job is to do exactly what that man did to you. <laughs> guess who told him? And guess who's still telling people? I have got more fiery over the years than ever before. Because as it, we seem to feel that it's getting darker and darker and darker around us, when it gets that dark, the light shines brighter. Where sin abounds, what's going to abound more? Grace. The, the power and the Spirit of God will be more recognized in the world. As they get darker and more sinful, we think, oh my God, it's all crashing around us. No, it's not. The Word of God, one, is coming to pass. The Word of God is happening in our lives more so than probably ever before. We are coming to the end. It's exciting. Two people think it's exciting. It's excited. It really, why would God wait for you? Why would he let you live right now to preach his gospel? It's purposeful. There's a purpose for your life, for all of our lives coming into the kingdom. That purpose is to preach his gospel. Well, watch this. If you look at Isaiah 61, the actual, um, uh, the, the revelation of that was in Luke 4, 18, and it says, Jesus was in the synagogue in Nazareth and he stands up and, the, and he says, the rabbi passes in the scroll, he unrolls the scroll and it's Isaiah 61. And he says this, the anointing of the Lord is upon me. The first thing he says to do is what? Hello, somebody's talking to me over here. The first thing he says to do is what? To preach the gospel. Somebody turn to Luke 4, 18. By preaching, which is, which is a, 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 a marvelous privilege to have, when you get to Luke 4, 18, just put your hand up and tell me. By preaching, it says what this anointing is for is to heal broken-hearted people. Okay. Go on then, Luke 4, 18. Preach, preach. How does he say people with broken hearts will be healed? By preaching to them. So you just read it. Read it again. I don't want people to go, no, he didn't. Go on. 418. The anointing of the Lord's upon me to do what? Stop. Stop right there. First and fourth is what? Preach. To preach is to proclaim, is to teach. You're talking. Or you can worship, but it is preached to proclaim. The way people's hearts are healed, the way people's uh, lives, if they're in captivity, whether it's captivity to a, a, an addiction, captivity to something that somebody, somebody has done or said to you that has broken you and you're captive to that. And he said also for those who have been uh, uh, abused, whether physically or verbally, he said the only way out of that is to preach to them and when you have the anointing of God to preach to them, they will be set free and they will have freedom. Amen. We live in a world today that is in bondage. We live in a world today that is so bound and in a prison that they can't see outside of those four walls. But we are free. I like this freedom, Ben. I love it. I've had it for 31 years. My wife said to me years ago after I finished preaching somewhere, she went, you don't actually have any guilt, do you? Nope. Should I? Oh, God. I was, I was full of guilt and shame quiet <laughs> me too <laughs> I was full of it but when I was forgiven I was forgiven and I took that forgiveness and went this is fantastic this is awesome I am forgiven so I had a freedom from what I was and what I had done or what I had done to people or what people had done to me. I was free from it and today I feel I'm even freer than I was when it first happened to me 
Because the more I've got involved in preaching the gospel, the more the miraculous, the more people of souls we have seen saved, it gets to the point where you live in this world that God created. And in that world, it says, in the kingdom of God is this, righteousness, which means to be right with God. Peace that passes understanding. Joy that is unspeakable, but full of the glory of God. That is the kingdom of God. Being right with him gives you peace and gives you joy. Like nothing in this world can give. Nothing in the world can't even, I can't even put the word compare in between that. Because it doesn't compare. There's nothing at all. And that's why it says that sin uh, will have pleasure for a season. But after that you're dead. You're back in a trap. You're, you're done with. You're, you're, you're in your prison again. And that's why when we first come into the kingdom, it is a very weird experience. And I, I don't know, it might just be me. But it, literally, I, re, I remember kind of coming out of my baptism, walking out into the streets, and everything was clear. It's like there was a crystal river in front of me, just looking through this crystal lens. And I'm like, nothing in me had anything stained. There was, no, there was no apprehension in me. I just went out that day, went to the job site. I was the owner of the company, walked on, turned the generators off. I was a builder. And I was like, shut up and listen. That was my evangelistic days. I've learned to temper it down a little bit these days. But they all knew me. I'm like, hey, 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 hey. Shh, but yeah. Something's happened to me, and you're going to know about it. And I invited them to my house. My wife wasn't yet alongside of me, was you? <laughs> I won't tell you what she said. Well, I can actually, can't I, really? No, I can't. No, I can't. <laughs> That's why we've been married 37 years. I listen to her. I do. <laughs> Get outside, and she'll say, thanks for that, honey. Fantastic. So, so... I go and, and tell them immediately. And, and they actually at the church used to call me John the Baptist. I probably should have wore the little girdle and the goat's camel and what have you and eaten locust and honey. I had such a passion immediately that when I told my framing crews, I actually baptized two framing crews. Two, there was like eight in each crew. And over the space of a couple of years, I put them all under the water and baptized them. Why? Because I took what I had and boldly spoke it to other people. I don't, I'm not shy. And I'm not shy to be belligerent. I'm not shy, or as, as, as Paul said, woe unto me if I don't preach the gospel. I've been given a purpose. I've been given a, I've been given a life to live. And that when you start to see of the different talents that were given, the five and the two, the, the two and the one, we cannot be that one. We've got to be the one that doubles. Anything that God has invested into us, he's looking for a return. I ain't talking about crypto either. He's put something in us. But what I love about what he's put in me, he has put himself in me. I am not on my own. I have the power of the almighty God on my tongue. A couple of weeks ago, London, and I'm, I'm going to start to close with this. How long have I gotten in? A week? Okay. i got tons to tell you, but I'm going to slow it down now. I was in London a couple of weeks ago with my wife. We're planting, we're planting a church in London. They all speak funny down there. Going to a restaurant, and I'm just, I'm just doing what I do. I'm in every restaurant going, hey, how you doing? Oh, I'm planting a church here in Kensington, Chelsea Borough, and around Notting Hill. So I'm just coming to meet Yeah, You're going to see a lot more of us, et cetera, et cetera. Everybody in the area now literally has got to know us. Because somebody's got a big gob. <laughs> somebody's out there introducing us to the world that doesn't know Jesus Christ. So we go into a restaurant and the lady was talking to me. I think she was Czechoslovakian. She told me she was the owner of the restaurant. Her husband was from the Wirral, which is Liverpool. We're having a chat. 15 minutes she's there for. Tell her who we are while we're coming down. She disappears and we had to go to a meeting. So I had to go and find the lady um, who owned it, but I wanted my check to get out of there. I go into the restaurant and I walk straight through. There was a big like, serving counter. All the chefs and everybody were behind there. And I saw her at the end of the bar and she was I could see her crying. And she, I went around the corner of the bar and she got her hand in cold water. And I went, 
what have you done? And she was just trembling. I mean, the poor woman was crying. She was in so much pain. And she said, I have just poured a whole hot pot of coffee over my hand. She said, I can't believe. And she was crying. She was like, I can't believe how painful my hand is. And I'm like, what an opportunity. So give me your hand. She give me a hand. And I just put my hand over her hand. Very simply, Father, all I'm asking right now is you touch this burn and take away the pain. And there'll be no scarring. There'll be nothing from it. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. And I put her hand back in the water. She's still sobbing. And she's looking at me. And then I looked at her hand and I looked at her. Now all, all the chefs are over the top. The waitresses and waiters are all standing around us. And then I went, now the pain's leaving your hand. And she went, oh my God, it's gone. The pain has left my hand. I went, I told you who it was. I'll be back soon. You're coming to church very soon. I walked off. But that's all it took. That's all it takes. Step out. You've got the voice of God. You've got the spirit of God. You've got the power of God. You've got the actual power of God that created the heavens and the earth inside of you. Speak it out and watch what God does if you speak on his behalf. He is, what, why do you think he says, I'm never going to forsake you. I am never going to leave you. I am there all the time. Try me for them. Test me. Even Malachi said it. Test God. Watch what happens when you test him. And if you do it with the right motive, God comes through. Ooh. I can give you miracle after miracle after miracle that we've been seeing. People coming into the kingdom all because somebody has realized or others in our now congregation are going, Pastor, I'll get this. We really do have this, don't we? Well, that language you speak, you didn't make it up, did you? No, well, that's the, that's the Spirit of God. There's the proof and the evidence. Go and speak it. we got two sisters that come into the church. They told us a few months ago, hey, pastor, they are lively human beings. We've actually just found out and put together, we have witnessed to over 500 people in one month. <laughs> yeah, they're mad. They've they got their own business. They do uh, management training. I mean, they're speakers, but they're crazy. They go everywhere. And the one sister, the little, she's about that big. Halga is unstoppable, unshakable, immovable. Wherever she is, she looks for the opportunity to say something. I, have, I was with her in a parking lot. We fed, uh, I don't know how many people we fed over the COVID period, but we was getting uh, food and we was delivering it. And, and I had to meet her to give her some food at the back of my car. And a fire engine pulls up. Full of firemen. And she went, oh, pastor, this is ideal. They are trapped inside of that vehicle. <laughs> and she goes up, she was like, hello. And she went, in times like this, she said, do you mind if I pray for all of you men? <laughs> Big old burly firemen, too, they were. But I think she kind of fancied a couple of them. There was some good-looking firemen in that truck. There really was. And she just put her hand up, and then the guy's got his arm on the... And she put... And, and she said, every, every, all of you... Now, this is a little lady. These guys are all... All of you, close your eyes. I'm going to pray for you. And I'm standing there going, this is amazing. And she went, Jesus, wake these people up, will you? Let them see why I'm standing here, why this is not just a chance meeting of me standing in front of a fire engine with firemen listening to me pray for them. Wake them up. Let them see that the gospel is real. I mean, I'm, I'm like, oh. And then the guy, she went, and that's my pastor over there. And I'm standing there going, gentlemen. I said, what do you think of that? And I was going, that was incredible. That, that. And, and all the men in the fire, fire truck are sitting there going. And I said, she's good, isn't she? They was like, good. Oh, my God. One little person doesn't care what anybody thinks. And when she speaks on the behalf of Jesus Christ, that they listened. Why? Because she knows what she has inside of her. She knows that speech that she speaks when she's in prayer isn't her voice. It isn't her language. It uses our tongue and our lips to show us the evidence of God who created the heavens and the earth. It's the evidence of God in us. 
I'm going to ask you, we're going to pray in a second. I'm either absolutely off my head or what I've just told you this morning is who you are and what you have. God give you a language to communicate with him. Because when we speak, that is now within us. When I say in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I command a cancer to leave a body. When we say I command so and or whatever you're praying for, think of when you're praying, my God, I've got God behind me and within me. I have his language that I am about to speak, the creative power of God. So when I am talking to anybody, witnessing or praying or praying on my own with God, I, I, I can only express, if you don't see this today, at least get out and try. Talk to somebody and don't speak with a, and don't get this wrong what I'm going to say, don't speak through a timidness. Paul said to Timothy, Tim, you haven't been given a spirit of fear, but what you've been given is a spirit of power, power of God, love, and a sound mind. Preach it, Timothy. Go out and speak on the behalf of God. Be the witness that he's called you to be. And what does it say in Acts 1 8 as I'm closing? Do you want to read Acts 1 8? It's when the Holy, when, when, when it, uh, 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 Luke was explaining what was about to happen. That not many days hence, that the Holy Ghost was coming upon this earth. And he said, And when it does, you shall be endued with power from upon high to be a witness. Unto me. So what did he say? What was going to happen when he and he, he enters into our life is what? We'll be endued with dunamis, power, like dynamite. That's, a, that's the power it is. You shall be endued with dynamite, with power of heaven, to be my witness. Didn't say anything else. He didn't tell me to be a, a wonderful theologian and try to explain God away. He just said, all I want you to do when you got my spirit is to be a witness unto me and go into all of the world and preach my gospel. That's all I'm asking you to do. And that's all our job really truly is. But I pray when you leave today that you're going to go home with this inside of you. Know who you are in the kingdom of God. Know what you have in the kingdom of God. Don't ever let anybody tell you anything different. And when anybody tries to foo-foo you off or just say, no, no. Step back and go, Father, I'm praying for that person right here. They are blinded by this world. So don't ever think they're rejecting you, they're rejecting him. All you are is a vessel. But an ambassador of Christ, but all we are is an, a vessel endued with power to go out to the world and preach the gospel. So can we stand this morning before we go? I don't know what you do, but can we pray? Actually, all of us need to pray this. If you've seen what I've just said to you today, I pray even your prayer right now, you can speak to a mountain and that mountain will move. Why? Because the God that put the mountain there in the first place is the spirit that's inside of you today when he said, you speak to a problem, you talk to it and it will move. So Father, before we go today, we've heard your word this morning, Jesus. We've heard a word, God, that comes right from the, from the throne room of heaven, the beginning of foundation of time, the beginning of everything, God. You put a language that you spoke and created the heavens and the earth. You've put a language in your church for these last days, Jesus, that will reach into humanity like nothing else can, that to, to take away the stubbornness and the blindness and the hardness of heart, the iniquity and transgression of mankind. You have put your spirit inside of your church to give them hope. So as I pray this morning, God, upon this church, this blessed church, this congregation here in Hal Zoning, Father, I ask for your anointing to come upon them, your anointing to be so deep in their soul, their heart begin to tremble as they feel your presence, that their lips will be quiver, just like Isaiah said, that with this language we will speak to the world that's around us. So with your blessing, God, upon us, with your anointing upon us to go and preach the gospel to every creature on the face of the earth, let this apostolic church here in our zoning, God, receive the revival that they are praying for. But let them speak this into existence today. The speaking of the creative power of God that is embedded so deep inside of our hearts. Come on, folks, let's pray even more. Let's go even deeper. Come on, let's go deeper to go out higher. 
to stretch even further abroad. Randa yasata yanabakusata. Randa randa yeyabiyabasuta randa babakusuta yana. Let that tongue of heaven begin to flow out of your heart and through your lips. Speak to your problems this morning. Speak to mountains. Speak to families that right now you think are not listening. Tell God, God, I need to get inside of this family of mine. I need to get into my work colleagues. Wherever I am, I have the anointing to preach. The gospel is the power of the word of God that sets other people free. It is the power of his word that heals their broken hearts. It is the power of a spoken word that will take somebody that has been abused either physically or verbally and give them freedom like nothing else can. In Jesus' great name, in Jesus' great name we pray. You're so good to us, God. So, so, so good to us.